Hello, and welcome back to the 6AM Run Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you don't know, my name is Mark Paisan. I'm the host of the show, and we have a good one for you today. But before we get started, as always, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to the website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So today... We're not going to, well, we're going to talk about running a little bit because she does run. She does stay in shape, but we're going to give you some more information for all those people trying to do something else with their life or trying to, you know, build a business or, or do more online. So we have Takara Charisma with us. Thank you, Takara, for joining us today. Go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I'm so excited to be here. I am actually a single mom who has learned how to really support myself through the power of making money online while I sleep. And I started that many years ago, 15 years ago in e-commerce and have since built a full service digital marketing agency where we serve seven figure plus e-commerce clients with all of their digital marketing needs, which is my passion. So SEO, you know, paid ads, social media marketing, email marketing, website conversion rate optimization, and so much more. So I am so excited to talk to you today about what drives us to do what we do and the motivation that is needed to work hard and get to where we are. Well, we are so happy to have you here. And we were talking beforehand and, and you are a runner. We'll go ahead and put that out there. You are a runner. A and runner. I just well, no, I mean, listen, hey. good. <laughs> but you kind of mentioned that that running has a special place in your life. Can you kind of tell us your, you know, just really quickly, your running journey, what it means to you, how you've used it in the past and kind of how you got to the point you are now? Yeah, you know, I would transparently say I've had a love-hate relationship with running my whole life. And I turned to it over 11 years ago when I was actually going through a divorce. So I was somewhat lost and I didn't know what to do or where I was going. I was definitely mentally challenged at that time. And I couldn't sleep, you know, with a lot of the decisions that were going on. And I had two little ones at the time. And so what I would start doing is I said to Kara, you're going to do 30 for 30. That's what I called it to myself. Mm -hmm. So I committed to 30 minutes of running for 30 days straight. That started 11 years ago and it never stopped since, you know, pretty much. So mm -hmm. it formed a really great habit in my life. I would wake up while the babies were still asleep. It was quiet. It was dark. The sun didn't rise yet. I would drive down to the beach because I'm in Hawaii. I'm, I'm so mm -hmm. blessed. And I would run till the sun, you know, came up. And I each day got incrementally better and better and better. And over those 30 days, if you know James Clear clears, you know, atomic habits. It was like this forming of a really important habit in my life. And since then I've run, you know, like 10 Ks and I've run quite a bit for my own self-care and mental health. And I always turn back to it whenever I need clarity, whenever I need to tune in, whenever I need to think about things. And it's the best personal challenge that I've ever had. So it's like every time I'm running, I'm challenging myself to try to do better. I'm clearing my mind. And it's so reflective of what we do in life or in business, right? So that's been my personal running journey. And it takes a strong person to wake up every day and not want to run and show up 
and run. And such is true in life about so many other things. So. And thank you for telling that because I love hearing those running very similar to mine. I won't tell it because I'm, it, this is about you, not me, but I really, and no one listening to this can see her right now, but the kind of body language you had just, you know, explaining how you feel about running and explaining the habit that you created in 30 days and explaining like what that meant to you. I could tell just by your body language, how you, you know, looked, it was just something that's near and dear to you. And I'm glad that and I think running is like that for a lot of people where it's like, ah, I really don't want to get up to do it. My shoes are right here and it's not raining. I have no excuses. And then you do it and you're like, why? Well, what took me so long? Like, that was great. I loved it. I loved it. So thank you for sharing that. So now we're going to get into kind of what you do to support yourself. And you said you have two children. Is that correct? I have two little ones. So I've been a single, I mean, in essence, I've formed the sweet family unit of three with my two children over the last 11 years. They have an amazing father. And I've learned that over time, really, I need to rely on myself, you know? And so it's kind of like what you mentioned about running that you have to make that decision, even when you don't want to in the morning to do it, for example. And it's like, identifying with that identity. So in essence, and I can just kind of really segues here, I promise. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, please. <laughs> but it's like the fact that I had to identify as a runner, as an athlete or someone who's healthy. And so even though I don't want to go to the gym or even though I don't want to run, right, I still show up and do it because I need to become that identity and that person. And so that was how I shifted into owning my own business. I actually had a very successful international e-commerce business for many years, but I was too scared to quit my daytime job. So here I was, you know, making like six figures, you know, from this online business, I had two babies. I was, you know, at work till 11 PM at night, then working till 2 AM in the morning on my e-commerce business, then going to sleep for three hours, then waking up at 6 AM with the kids and then doing the e-commerce business until like, it just, it just kept going and going, and going. Right. So finally I d- identified with, and did a lot of mindset work and read a lot of books that were so helpful. And I identified with, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be this person. Every day I showed up in that way, even when it was hard, scary, challenging. And eventually that mental, you know, thought broke through the physical reality of my existence of working for, you know, the man nine to five. And I found the courage to, you know, quit my job as a single mom and go full in on the agency. And that was five or six years ago now. And it was the best decision I ever made, but it took me doing a lot of mental work. Like your brain is a muscle. You have to work it out every day, just like anything else. And a mindset's huge. So I had to really break through that identity and believe in myself and step into fear to then now successfully run. And I hate talking about money, but it's a seven figure agency, right? And we employ 17 people right now, I think, ask my operations director, something like that. But it's it took so much stepping into fear. And had I not done all that mindset work, read those books, listen to podcasts like this, I may not be where I am today. So that's the journey from, you know, running and deciding to be this person to becoming a, you know, seven figure business owner. So before, and that's great to hear. And before we even start with the nuts and bolts of it or the technical aspects of the work that you do, I'm glad you brought up what you just said, because I was just speaking to somebody else last week. He's a life coach and I have him on my other podcast, but he mentioned something 
about a lot of times as humans, we'll try to do and then be. So we'll lose a lot of weight and then we'll say, I want to be happy. Or we'll finally start eating healthy and say, now I want to be healthy. And what you've kind of stated, he stated the same thing, was that you want to be that person first. You want to work as that person first. So you get in that mindset. So regardless if we're talking about, you know, someone having an e-commerce business or someone wanting to start a food truck, like, what you, what I hear you're saying, and you, you, I want you to kind of talk about this, is mentally, with your mindset, you have to put yourself in that place first. You can't just hope it comes at the end. Like if I want to be successful, digital marketing, e-commerce, I want to have an online business. Like it's not just doing these things and hoping it happens. It's actually, you know, making sure you have that plan in place, making sure you have that structure. If I have to be online at a certain time, if I, maybe I don't work nine to five, maybe I work, you know, 2 PM to midnight, something like that. So I kind of want you to talk about that mindset that you were just talking about to get into, to actually put yourself in a place that you can be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great question. And I have two answers to it and hopefully I'll remember both. (laughs) But one is it's interesting because when we, some people focus on what they would call a goal, like eat cutting out carbs, right? But in essence, the goal is to be healthy and the habit around that, that we form, like I did 30 for 30 running for 30 days, the habit actually has to be cutting out carbs or showing up to the gym every day or taking my supplements, whatever that is. And what's interesting, and I can't take credit for this idea. This is very much atomic habits, you know? So if you haven't read the book, you should should check it out, but it's the habit actually becomes the obstacle. So a lot of people say, I want to be a a runner, you know, but the habit to do that running every day, showing up is the obstacle that can't get us there. So the mindset has to be around, yes, the ultimate goal, but sticking to the habits and getting into a flow in your life where you can show up in that way. And then the second part of it that I wanted to mention in terms of like mindset is I've always said when you're making a difficult decision or when you're working towards a goal or where you want to be. And let's say you look up to someone who you want to be like a big business or a business owner. And what I would always come back to for me when I would struggle and I still to this day do is what would that person do in this situation? So when we get scared to buy a big piece of equipment for a business, for example, or invest in an advertising agency, right? Something like that. I go back to, well, the person I look up to or the company that's very successful, would they do this? What would they decide? You know, it's like instantly, of course, they they have the best equipment. You know, of course, they're going to that conference and spending that money. Of course, they're hiring the agencies. That's how they got there. And so that is where my mindset kind of goes is into, again, taking on the identity of the person I want to become and then making the decisions from that place, because I truly believe you can never make the wrong decision when it comes from that place. So that's a little bit of the mindset that I'm kind of going through in my own, you know, head when I'm trying to build a a bigger business or be a better person. These are things that I'm kind of thinking about. And I I really love that. I appreciate you going into that because I think a lot of people, because we want to give people, not everybody's going to get an e-commerce, not everybody's going to do what you're doing. Like that's not the way of the world. Like, (laughs) but someone is going to want to, you know, open a daycare and take care of kids. Someone's going to want to, you know, go out. I really want to be a poet. I really want to put my stuff down and, and you can take a lot of the stuff you're talking about 
and put it to those things also. So let's go into what you do. What made you get into this arena? What made you say, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to work in the e-commerce business. I want to work on the web. What was the genesis of that? How did you start there? What made you say, this is what I want to do? Yeah. So I am the daughter of two entrepreneurs, the daughter of two doctors who, funny enough, are now farmers and retired. (laughs) They make wine. And I always saw them as business owners. I never saw them working for someone else. I always saw them just working really hard for themselves. And that always fascinated me. And in fact, they built businesses together. And my sisters have built businesses with their husbands. And at the age of 18, I got a very good job. Actually, it was at the age of 22. I'm, I'm thinking right after I graduated college, I got a really good job, a very desirable job. And they offered me a really good position after a year. And I was working under fluorescent lights <laughs> in an office, like the typical nine to five. And I was miserable. I would just look out the window and want to be outdoors every single day. And I was like, this isn't for me. I'm not happy. And so I knew that my background was business economics. I knew I had a passion for business. And then when I got pregnant with my son, and this was when I was trying to find a solution for clothing, it ended up being a baby clothing brand. I just fixed a problem in essence. So like you had mentioned, not everyone's going to do e-commerce, but the best ideas will come from innovation and and solving problems, right? And, And meeting very high pain points for people. So if someone has a very high pain point, let's say, hair loss could be a very high pain point for men, that a solution, a valuable solution to that is going to be in high demand, especially if you're making a better quality product. So that was, you know, somewhat my journey. And then I, you know, to be very honest, I had that business. It was great. And then I just really hated customer service. I hated, you know, filling orders. I hated being stuck. I really wanted to travel. I wanted location freedom. And I didn't want fixed costs. I wanted something where it was like clear input, clear output of expenses and, and income, which is what you can do in an agency, especially a virtual one. And I just, I think I was at the right place at the right time, to be honest, which has happened a lot in my life where I just right before, you know, Facebook only had 20 million users. Drop shipping wasn't even a thing. Shopify didn't even exist. Like these were right on the cusp of all these big platforms and these big solutions coming out. And I was right ahead of that. So I just got lucky and I just tuned in. I was like, I know how to grow a business. That's what I want to do. I know how to grow a business. And so I was able to take my natural skill set. Everyone has one. Everyone's good at something. And what I say is get financially appreciated for it. Isn't that fun to be in your passion and to do what you love every day and impact people positively, right? And be financially appreciated for it. Ooh, that feels so good, right? (laughs) You are actually the second person to say something like that to me today. And that is, that's really funny because I just signed up to get my certification for be a, a certified personal trainer and a transformation specialist. And it's like, and the guy said, he's like, why not? Like get paid to do what you like to do. Like if you like to work out, get paid for it. And I was like, I never really thought of it that way. Like that's such a good idea. So that's awesome. I'm glad you had that support of the entrepreneurial parents and you had the, you know, so many of us as kids don't want to even hear what our parents are saying. And for you to actually, well, not listen, at least be able to see what they're doing and say, Hey, I kind of want to do that too, is awesome. So in the space that you're in, so, and and you said you definitely wouldn't want to lock down to an office and want to be remote and you're in Hawaii, and I'm stuck in Georgia, but we won't talk <laughs> about that on this um, on this call at all. 
So say somebody, and I want to just break it down really easy for people. I don't want to get too in the weeds, but say somebody just wants to, they have a product. They may have found a niche product. They may say they have found a way to do something better because, you know, it's very hard now to find that one thing that no one has done yet because with the World Wide Web, you can probably find somebody who's done what you've done, but that doesn't mean people are not going to stop trying. But say I have a product and I'm like, you know what? I don't want the brick and mortar stores. I don't want the retail. I want to make sure that I can be successful online. I want to use Facebook. I want to use Twitter. I want to use Instagram. I want to do all these things. And I've created my Facebook page. I've created my Instagram profile. I've done all that stuff. What are just some things they can do at the beginning to at least get the word out, to start their marketing, to at least make sure people other than their family and friends know about their product? Yeah, yeah. Um, And congrats on doing the personal. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting because there's millions of brands that sell purses, right? But yet Louis Vuitton has, you know, the premium on it, right? And so it's interesting to me because I see a lot of business owners who are just as talented as successful business owners online, and they're always struggling. And the difference is one was really good at marketing and selling and the other wasn't, but it doesn't mean the quality of the product is any different actually, or the skill set of the person. So when you get started, One of the best things, I I have a few kind of just quick list things, which will bullet list it because I'm all about like impactful value and condensed time. But one of them is, of course, I would say the biggest mistake I ever made in business was investing a lot of time and a lot of money in a concept that I was super excited about. But then when I put it to the market, it was crickets. And so I would say the first thing that I would suggest is what we call MVP, minimum viable product. So start asking people outside of your friends and family who love you, who are always going to hopefully, you know, push you, but they're not going to give you the feedback you need from your customers. If they're not your customer and they have a personal connection to you, you're not going to get the right feedback. So the first thing is develop an MVP, find a way to put it out there into the market and see if there is even a demand before you start investing a lot of money. Then the second thing is you do have to invest time in podcasts that help you learn about marketing, grow your business, build a website. And I say podcasts or YouTubes because I believe in grass reading a lot of things. I don't think you need an expensive agency. In fact, I would tell you, don't do that because you need to figure out how to build your own foundation. You know, you can't, you have to build a strong brand and start reaching out to customers and building a community. So what you want to do is really focus on tuning into experts, reading books, watching YouTubes, buying courses, you know, listening to podcasts, learning what other people are doing in the space so that you can recreate it. The road is simple. It's just not easy. That's what they say, right? So the path is simple, but not easy. So you can follow someone else's path to success. It just might not be so easy. So I would be looking at the successful companies and seeing what they did and and pretty much copying and pasting in essence, but doing it my own unique way. So beyond that, I would start looking into free tools that I have. So I'm trying to do this on a shoelace budget. I'm trying to think of the mindset of someone who is a business owner who's just starting and I have limited budget. I'd be reaching out to people or platforms that could spread my word for free in essence, or for very little money. So social media, yes, can work really well, especially TikTok right now. TikTok is, if you're not on there and trust me, I was one of the people that was also late to the game and really 
you know, I think I was like a lot of people our age where it was like, no, that's just for kids and singing videos, but it works. Like I tried to buy a beauty product from Sephora. It was sold out everywhere. I finally found out why one of the ladies who answered the phone after the third Sephora called said, Oh, there was a TikTok. It sold out. (laughs) It was on a TikTok video. It sold out across the nation, by the way, across the nation. So it's powerful. I'd be tuning into those things and I, I would get past my fear of being on camera or rejection or failure, which stops a lot of us. And you have to be your own biggest advocate. So beyond that, there's things that uh, allow for very affordable marketing, like affiliate marketing, which can work really well. And there's platforms that you can do that on. Press releases can work really well. Local networking, starting to partner with other bigger brands that have the same email list as you, doing co-marketing types of strategies. These are just some little things that you can do to start. And of course, one of the biggest things would be really tuning into, it's not as sexy, but really tuning into SEO, learning a lot about it and learning about how to build an email list. Because those two things outside of website conversion rate optimization are going to build a really strong brand over time. So a few little tips here and there. And those, those are great. And again, I'm getting a lot of information because email list is something that when you say it out loud, it turns some people off. They're like, I no, I don't want to say, I want to do everything from social media. I don't want to keep an email list. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I might as well send flyers, you know? I mean, talk about why an email list is so important to helping build your brand. Why specifically emails so people can really understand that? Yeah. Okay. Mark, do you remember this small company called uh, MySpace? I do. (laughs) Yes. Right. Okay. And did you hear on the news about iOS updates and Facebook losing 10 billion this year in advertising dollars? Yeah. Oh yeah. So what happens is if we build our castle on someone else's shaky foundation and we're just relying on other platforms, even Amazon or any social media network or other companies, our power is out of our hands at that point. So we don't own anything. We don't own our followers on social, right? And anytime something can change, let's say you sell on Amazon, they can change their prices. Their algorithm can change and your whole business is just tanked. The only thing that you can really own, especially if you want to sell your business later on, the things that are the most valuable are your email lists. I mean, companies have sold just from email lists. Newsletters have sold in the multi-millions just from newsletter. There's no website. It's just a newsletter. So you own that data, you own that email, and then your website, you own the you know the traffic. And that's very valuable as well. So when we build our email list, not only does it convert better than anything else, it converts better than social channels. It's a way to get back to our return customers basically for free without having to spend money. It has some of the highest ROI on marketing platforms. You can get 40 to 60x return on your investment in email marketing, you'd be lucky to get 2x return, you know, on Facebook these days. And it allows you to build a relationship with your customer that's very experiential. So I believe in experiential marketing. I believe in making someone smile or engage with you with every 
email. I believe every email should be a landing page. It should look like a landing page. And if anyone wants any like free template ideas, I do have in my bio, like everywhere. I'm Tapara Charisma, no matter where you go. And there's some email designs and you'll see what I mean by these email designs. They're just incredible. And so it's an opportunity for you to really connect and add value to your customers and also build out what we call a sales funnel, like build out this natural relationship to get them where you want them to go on this customer journey. And ultimately, provide value to them. I think a lot of business owners are scared to quote unquote, sell themselves, but we have to remember like you're adding value to these people's lives, you know, and if your heart's in the right place and your intent's in the right place, like you're doing really a lot of good things in the world. So if you can start building out this email list, it's another way to connect with these people. It's cheaper to, to kind of do your purchases. It's a great way to build out end of year sales. Like we're getting into Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I mean, there's so much you can do with an email list. It's just incredible. So your focus really needs to be on that. And that's something like I saw, you know, in 6amrun.com, you have a pop-up 20% off, like you're doing that. And I imagine that you would say that the email list is very, very valuable to 6am run. I would say so. I get them multiple times a week. And even though I have a lot of stuff already, like I still click into them because I want to know like what's going on today. You know, maybe there's something I want to purchase today even though I have the sprint and uh, everything else and I have the pullover and I have, you know, I have plenty of 6am stuff. But when I get that, it's like, hey, today only get 30% off. I'm like, you know what? That's probably, I'm probably going to spend some money right now. (laughs) So, and I'm glad you mentioned that because in full transparency, I'm hearing you talking and I'm not putting two and two together. And I think about the email list that I'm on and I'm like, oh, it's probably just going to come to a, my mailbox and I'm not going to see much, but you actually talk about why that email should be interesting enough or flashy enough or whatever, or pull the reader's attention that they want to at least click into the website, click onto a link, see what there is to offer. Is that something that you had to like really get, get good at that did the first email list? Like you, you weren't seeing the return you wanted. Cause you talked about the return on investment. Is there a time where your ROI, you're like, okay, I got, I finally got it right. Yeah. Well, I learned, you know, back in again, I, when I started my own business in 2007, e-commerce business, that email was very powerful. In fact, I could turn on and off the lever to my business just through email. That was it. I could send an email and I'd wake up in the morning with money. It would, it would do nothing, <laughs> just send an email. And so I knew I could push sales simply through email. So it was very powerful, but it wasn't where it's at today. And we're lucky. We're, we're a Clavio Goldmaster partner, which is a big deal kind of in the email marketing world for any geeks out there. It is, it's a big deal. And so we have um, built our own internal design team of, I think some of the world's best designers. And we, they actually came from a platinum partner. And when we got them on our team, it was, I think what took us just to the next level for our clients. And these designers, I cannot take credit in any way, but they are so talented and they know what we want to deliver as an agency where we say we want it to be fun. We want it to be an experience. We want to use the email for other reasons, to drive traffic to the blog, to grow our clients' um, TikTok, right? To do all these things. And so when you get an email from a Charisma Marketing client, you're going to open that email and it's going to feel like Disneyland. Like Disneyland just showed up on your phone. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's gamified. It's interactive. It looks so 
just eye candy. That's the best way I can put it, eye candy. And so that's where we learned that that was somewhere where we had an edge over pretty probably most email marketing agencies and where we could drive a lot of traffic. And then, but, but behind that, there's strategy too. I mean, there's a lot of strategy that would get a client from, you know, making $20,000 a month, nine months before we start with them to 150 grand in a single day from email, you know, and that's in a nine month period. So it has to do a lot with strategy and building the brand behind it and then putting out this really unique experience for the customers who are on this email list or soon to be customers and winning them over with every email and having them look forward to clicking that email. So that's how I would say to look at this, like have fun with your email. You don't always have to sell. The goal can be very different for emails. If you push recipes, you can then push that kind of value and that content. We had a celebrity chef who, you know, he was making a thousand dollars a day just from his recipe emails, you know, and that was it. And then once we started putting products in the email, it was $2,000 a day. He increased his revenue by 300,000 plus just by making one simple change to his email. So have fun with it and know that it can drive so much revenue for you. And even if you're a service-based business, you can make these emails fun and interactive and engaging. Right. And that's amazing to hear. And again, even if your service, even if you're not, if you're not, not quote unquote marketing or sales, like you're still trying to sell something. Like if you're attempting to make money, like you're either selling yourself, you're selling your, not selling yourself that way. But I mean, you know, you're selling, yeah, selling your brand. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. (laughs) That came out and I was like, oh man, that did not. Okay. Yeah. Selling your brand selling your service, selling something that will improve someone's day, you know, something that it's either a want or a need. But one thing you talk about, which I think a lot of people may gloss over, and you kind of talk about the sales psychology. So you kind of talk about how the sales psychology work and how it can be used, you know, to an advantage in marketing. And I kind of want you to, to answer that question because... You know, you could talk about, hey, make sure this looks like this so this person wants to buy it or, or you have enough of this so you're, you know, these people can buy multiple. But talk about the sales psychology and how you can use that. Yes. Okay. I love that you're bringing this up because I dove very deep into sales psychology. I actually am a true believer that all sales is psychology. That's it. That's all it is. And Again, a life-changing book that I read was Robert Cialdini's Influence and uh, for the psychology behind sales, something like that. Um, Oh gosh, one of the best books I've ever read. Everyone should read that book. And in essence, there is a dance to sales and it's not unlike the dance we we do to build up personal relationships, right? So there are many steps to building trust with an individual on a personal level, just, you know, like if you think about your wife, you know, how you met and then you, be, you know, became friends and then you kind of built trust and then you, you know, you, you went through these stages to get to where you are. It's the same for brands, you know? So the biggest thing that in terms of psychology is people want to do business with people and they're sick of being lied to really by these, by big corporations using 
horrible ingredients, right? Or using child labor or, you know, whatever that looks like. And they want to stand behind a value system that aligns with their value system, right? And so one of the best things we can do in terms of psychology, there's so much this, I could go so deep. I could talk hours about this concept. So this is just scratching the surface, but is make sure that our brand stands for, you know, the value system that our customers stand for. And then also on, on the line of value, the exchange of value. So there is psychology actually to giving someone something and then getting something uh, that reciprocity is one of the concepts too in um, this book influence. But I don't know if you've ever gotten the mailers where they give you like the free stamps, the free address labels, the dollar in there, you know, and it's the idea of the human psychology of reciprocity. So if someone does something nice for you, you feel compelled to do something back. And there's many studies that show that this works like a charm. And so you can do things like hear me on this podcast, right? I'm, I'm giving tons of value, even 6am run, giving tons of value to our listeners. We're giving them an opportunity to build trust with us and get to know and like our brand. And so ultimately the goal is that we can add value to their lives and they may purchase with us and become a lifetime customer or client. And so it's that idea of giving tons of value and articulating it and being someone that people can trust and the social proof. This is another big one of Robert Cialdini's, but if we see in terms of psychology and like, let's say your social media, which I know can be intimidating for people. If you see someone who gets a lot of likes or has a lot of followers, you know, then it just builds up a natural trust. They must be an expert, right? Because then they're being viewed as an expert. And so you're kind of going along with the masses at that point in making a decision of who you should purchase with. Well, this guy has 20,000 followers and all these likes and he wrote a book and, you know, so, but this guy over here, he actually might be the expert too. He actually might even know more. In fact, a lot of times they do, (laughs) but they just might not know how to market themselves. And so what happens is we naturally go with the guy who, you know, kind of checks off all of our boxes of to us what we can trust. So the biggest thing that we can do is kind of build up that trust, exchange the value, build up the social proof, have other people talk about us because what someone says about our brand is much more valuable than what we would say about our own brand. So these are the things that we can kind of tap into psychology in order to build our business because it is all about humans doing business with humans. That's that people just want to do business with people. Mm. That was so well said. And I'm, I'm so glad that you spoke on that and a lot of good nuggets out of there. And I could tell you're very passionate about that part of the sales process. And because it, it can be, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a salesman. I am not a salesman. And anybody listening is probably, of course, you're not a salesman. You just said you're not a salesman. Like with that attitude, of course, you're not a salesman. But <laughs> um, another thing that you mentioned is kind of getting over fears. And, and I've been going through uh, your website absolutely gorgeous website. I mean, just, it's stellar. It's a great website. But I did notice that, and there's nothing, you know, vain about this, like you are the face of your brand, which I think is great. I think so many more people should be the face, should be the voice, should be the person behind their brand. Have you always been kind of an outgoing, in front of the camera, like, look at me type person? Or or is this something, is this kind of something you had to grow into because you wanted to be successful? Is this, I mean, because they're just, they're just gorgeous shots and the lighting is perfect and the, the colors are really nice. And then it just flows. But then again, every page, you know, you're the face of your brand. Like talk up, talk about that. Yeah. Okay. I love that you asked this question and thank you so much. 
I will let the developer know <laughs> because we have this list of items that we need to fix on the website. There's some, there's some glitches, but let me give a little background. So my name is Takar Charisma. And my mom didn't name me for, I think, about two years, along with a lot of my, my sisters. I have three sisters. And so I was baby number three, or I was Charisma. And so eventually, you know, she gave me a middle name, Charisma. I have more than one middle name. My mom was a little bit of a hippie, okay? So the point is, is like my whole life, I realized that I've had a little bit of an unfair advantage. I've always been charismatic in a way that I've never been intimidated. I know the number one fear for most people is public speaking. I'm like boring it. You know, I've always been the leader, the president, the, you know, whatever homecoming queen. It just, it just was my personality. So I got lucky in that sense that I realize is an unfair advantage. And most people don't have that. So I don't have that fear of being a leader or speaking. And so that kind of transitioned when I was rebranding my business years ago. And I used to actually be named FB ad strategist. Well, there's a problem with using FB <laughs> on Facebook. They don't allow you to use it. At one time they did, but not only was my business growing beyond Facebook ads, so it wasn't appropriate at the time. I actually couldn't run ads with that name. So they would, they would reject them. So I had to start thinking of rebranding the whole thing. And when I went online and I got like all these, you know, feedback, cause I, I believe in getting feedback, people would start saying like, you'd be a fool not to use your name. Your name is Takar Charisma. Like who gets that name and doesn't use it? You know, like this is hello. So anyways, that was where we kind of got into Takar Charisma. But I do want to mention one other thing. I actually don't believe in naming a brand, it can go both ways. Okay. So I think there's a personal brand that stands by itself, which is Takar Charisma. But then what I did is I created this umbrella business, the Charisma Group. And outside of Takar Charisma is Charisma Marketing. So charismamarketing.com is the agency. And I knew that I needed that to stand on its own. And if you think about any huge celebrity or influencer, some of the biggest ones, let's use the Kardashians, for example, or Rihanna, right? It's Fenty. It's not her name. Or Kim Kardashian, it's Skims. And all of her brands, you know, kind of have a play on her name. And so what I mean by that is, let's say one day we want an exit plan or, you know, life moves on and maybe our children take over the business or we sell it. We need to make sure that what we do, it can be separated from who we are. So trust me, I am not so vain. And that, that was my struggle was I don't want to be, I don't know if I want to be this person, but I realized that the personal brand sells the agency, right? So I know that if I show myself as the expert, like we just talked about with psychology and people know I'm the CEO of this company, then they believe in the company. And this is true everywhere. Look at every single celebrity or every single, you know, entrepreneur that we know, they have their personal brand, right? You always know the names of the entrepreneurs of the biggest or the CEOs of the biggest businesses, right? Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook, right? But his company is Facebook. It's not Mark Zuckerberg. So the point is, is like we can build the personal brand. And then once that personal brand has value in it and equity, brand equity, then all of these other offshoot brands that we want to do, we don't have to associate them with our personal name, but we can associate them with our identity because we can transfer some of our equity, our brand equity, personal equity, onto the equity of these other companies that we're building. And so that's, how I did that. So I would say for anyone who's building a personal brand, that's great. But I would be a little bit hesitant to just build a brand based on your name because what happens when you're gone? So you might want to consider, yeah, forming some companies that tie into that, but tying in your personal brand in a different way. 
And I'll always, I, I guess you should look to see what your initials could be used for also, <laughs> because say you did have initials that were FB, like that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that because again, I didn't even think that. I didn't even think about that. So, and I appreciate you you helping us out and talking about all this and I can tell you're passionate about it. And, and, and I kind of wanted to go a different direction for the last thing I have to ask you because I really, I know there's some women out there that are looking to become entrepreneurs and, and they're looking to become in an entrepreneurial space. And I know there's some single mothers out there that are looking to become an entrepreneurial space. And unfortunately, the world we live in, say you're, ex-husband was doing it, no one would question him, his fatherhood. Oh, well, are you spending time at home with your kids? You can't be that busy. But I know, and, and I'm assuming here, but I know it happens where people have said, well, how are you going to do this and raise your kids at the same time? But they wouldn't ask me that question. Mm-hmm. So for all the mothers, and, and again, men, if you're listening, this is a time for us to shut up and listen and be allies. What do you say to that woman who gets that question? Oh, how are you going to start this business and take care of your kids as a single mother? Like, why would you even think about this? I'm just going to shut up and and listen to what you have to say. Yeah. Oh, I love this question. What a good question. First, I would say exactly what you said. Would you uh, say that to my husband? (laughs) Would you say that to a man? Because it is a societal double standard, a thousand percent. But I want to say to the woman, sis, I see you, I hear you, I am you. And honestly, there's really no difference between me and anyone else other than I may have stepped into fear, you know, or I may have really had to work hard in building my confidence in this way or building my expertise in this way. And I can leave my answer with a story that is one of my best parenting moments ever where I was driving my kids and they were in the car and out of nowhere, it must've been related to the conversation we were having, but I certainly didn't prompt this. My son said to me, mom, I know I can do anything and be anything I want to be because I see you doing that every day. Oh, that was like, I'm done. <laughs> my, my job here is done. I'm, you know, like I've won it at parenting. But the point is, is that being a parent is the hardest job you'll ever have. Most rewarding, but the hardest job. And working at your passion is actually, in my opinion, much easier. It's the easiest thing I do all day long. And children need happy, healthy parents, whatever that looks like. And so if you're sacrificing your happiness or if you're not going for what your passion is, then your children see that they feed into that energy. And mom guilt is real. There were so many years still to this day, so many years where I felt so guilty working so hard. And it didn't mean I didn't love my children. It just meant that I knew I wanted to build a better life for them. And so I just have to constantly remind myself there does have to be a balance. There has to be a balance between me building what I want for my children and then making sure I spend time with them in the present right now. And it's not easy. And it takes a strong, strong woman to show up every day for all the societal pressure of being a woman, by the way, we can't age, we can't, you know, not wear makeup or use filters, but then we get 
bashed when we do, right? We can't have a job because then we don't show up at home. But then when we show up at home, then we don't show up well enough, right? So we have all of these pressures from society that are working against us. And all I can say is lead in grace and lead in the person that you want your children to see and be, and they'll know that you love them. They'll know that you're doing this for all the right reasons. I just think it's, it takes a balance and you can recreate that story. You can create that story in your life. Like you don't have to repeat the patterns of your family or what society's telling you or what a man in your life is telling you what you need to do. You don't need anyone's permission to go for what you want in life, like pursue what you want, be in your passion. That's the best role model you can be for your children. So that's what I have to say to that. And I'm so about empowering women. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm all about it. I love it. And at no point were you accusatory. And if I, I'll say this, if any man listening like felt a certain way, then that's probably more about you than it is about Takara, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> so thank you so much for being a part of the show. Before you go, how can people get in touch with you? How can they find out more about you? How can they get some of your services? Where can they see you online? Yes. Thank you for saying that. And I just want to tell men the most attractive future of a man is to support your woman. So, and there are many amazing men who do that. So amen to them. And so to find me online, you can actually search Takara Charisma everywhere. You spell it very weird. Charisma is K-A-R-I-Z-M-A. Takara has two C's in it. Like it's a weird name, <laughs> but you can start, find me anywhere online on all social media channels from Takara Charisma on TikTok. Instagram is the most frequent one. And then of course, Charisma Marketing is our agency. In my bios, there's tons of free resources. I invite you to check them out. There's a lot that can help you in terms of growing your business and learning more about how to you know, successfully be on this journey towards your passion. I love it. And like my kids say, being called weird is a compliment. So <laughs> I love the fact <laughs> they both say that all the time. They have to tell them like, that's, that's nice, but just don't call each other weird all the time, please. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you, there you go. There you go. Takara, thank you so much for being a part of the show. This has been just amazing. I hope that you just find a way to get some good weather in Hawaii. I know it's tough. Such a struggle. So here. sorry. I know. <laughs> we'll ship some parkas and some beanies over to you. So. I will send some aloha spirit your way. Oh, th thank you, please. Because these 30 degree mornings are killing me. I'm in Georgia, for God's sake. Like, come on. Thank you so much. You have a great rest of your day, okay? Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure.